Ladies and gentlemen, if you're ready for some fantasy hockey streaming advice, it's time for the most styling, profiling, wheeling and dealing, jet flying, limousine riding podcast in all the land. It's the reigning, defending, undisputed fantasy hockey streaming champion of the world. It's the stream Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back once again to a very special preseason edition of the Streams Team, where myself and my dear friends PJ and Mason are going through each position, giving you our top 10 players at each position for this upcoming 2021 to 2022 NHL season. We are presented by the greatest fantasy hockey podcast in the world, Keeping Carlson, and will often refer to the best league in the world, the Keeping Carlson Ultimate Patron Fantasy League, aka the Cupful. This is the third installment of this preseason series. If you're listening to this, you can go back and check out our top 10 right wingers and top 10 goalies for this next year. And today we are ranking our top 10 centers. And also before we get into everything, I just want to say if you're listening or hopefully re-listening to this podcast and just want to get a quick recap of our top 10 lists, you can just skip to the end of this podcast. I'll make sure to keep those list recaps very close to the end of the episode. But just a quick refresher of what exactly we're doing today, starting with our 10th overall center and working our way up to number one overall, we're ranking our centers just for this next year. So it's where we would take them in a normal redraft league for the 2021 to 2022 season. And we are using couple points scoring. That means for skaters, it's 4.5 points for a goal, three points for an assist, 0.5 points for a shot on goal, 0.5 points for a block, 0.25 points for a hit, and one point for a shorthanded goal as well. And last but certainly not least, we are turning these individual rankings into a contest as to who has the best overall list both at each position and overall best ranker as well. After each podcast comes out, head on over to Twitter at NHL Stream Scheme and vote on who has the best rankings at each position. And fellas, the rankings are in from our top 10 goalie lists. Believe it or not, PJ and myself actually tied at 35% of the votes each. And this is the even more shocking part. Mason was only 5% behind us at 30% of the vote. I thought you were going to get rocked on that pool, Mason, but I guess you were right. There were some people out there who agreed with your logic. So we'll see who is right ultimately at the end of the season. So let's hear from our co-hosts. Let's shoot it over to Mason first. Mason, were you surprised that the goalie results were so close? And what are your thoughts in general on centers this year, both in terms of depth and maybe your strategy into going drafting centers this year? Thanks, Dave. Yeah, um, I think uh, anytime you can put Carter Hart in the, in the top 10 list uh, and still come out one vote behind you and PJ, um, I'll, t- <laughs> I'll take that as a win, uh, seeing as how 
below he finished last year. Yeah, I think that uh, centers, at least at the top end, is pretty straightforward um, as it is most season. And with Kakupful having two utility spots, um, I'm totally willing to take a guy that has pure center eligibility. I have no concerns um, feeling like I'm going to draft too many. Um, I think some people really value the wing eligibility, but given that you can pretty much start four centers uh, any given night, I'd be happy to take a top center. All right. And PJ, we'll toss it over to you as well. Same thing. What's your thoughts on centers and your strategy for drafting them this year? Yeah. The thoughts on centers pretty similar to Mason. Uh, I think the top of the list, this top 10 group is, um, you know, I wouldn't say it's a lock or anything like that, but there are some definitely common names. We'll probably see some crossover in lists. Uh, you know, that'll be seen. I, I don't know what your guys lists are, but uh, I'm thinking we'll probably have some, some, some guys in the similar range. Uh, but yeah, when I go for drafting, um, I definitely can agree with what Mason was saying. When you have those extra skater spots, it does help. Uh, I am somebody who likes to try and look for some of that wing eligibility as well, just with that flexibility, or maybe somebody who has dual eligibility is one that I really like to be able to slot them in and, and make sure you're not benching guys when you, you have your spots full. Um, but you know, with centers being so deep throughout the league, um, you know, sometimes you can find some value later in, in rounds there, uh, but there are some guys that just are at the top that I wouldn't hesitate in a second if they fall to me on, on my pick in one of the first two rounds and, and have that centerman who's just going to give me huge upside. So I, I look forward to uh, having a couple of these guys on, on my teams this year and all my redraft leagues. Yeah, one thing I noticed whenever I was kind of going through my list yeah, the top 10 in general, I think is pretty stacked. And even probably our honorable mentions, we're probably going to have some guys that are probably going to go in the upper rounds, even in there as well. But beyond that, I didn't think it was terribly as deep. Like if I had to rank the, uh, the forward positions, I would definitely go left wing um, and then probably center and right wing. But I think center and right wing are a lot closer to the amount of depth that's in there than people realize. So Probably after, I, I wouldn't necessarily go in for center at any point in time, but I wouldn't necessarily uh, just assume that you can neglect it and uh, be able to pick up someone later, a little bit later on than maybe you'd normally be able to. But um, yeah, let's go ahead and get it started here. And so PJ, you're still the leader in the clubhouse for total votes for the series. So we'll have you kick it off for us. Who is your 10th overall center for this next year? All right. Thanks, Dave. Um, my 10th overall center for this year going into redraft leagues. Uh, I'm going with, uh, I hope that the injury doesn't kill him. Uh, going with John Taveras. Had a bit of a down season last year, um, but you know he's Toronto has started playing that top power play as a top power play which I, I love to see for any of those guys that I have and I'm hoping John Tavares even though he'll be centering that second line I have some concerns with them losing some of their wingers in this offseason um, but he's still lining up with uh, William Nylander uh, for the most likely as his one winger and then we'll see if it's uh, bunting or something like that but Tavares really he he's just been a solid player for years and years even on his offseason he still was up there in uh, you know definitely in the top 20 last year. I can't remember exactly where he finished off in the couple, but uh, he's up there. He shoots um, maybe not as much as he did in the past, but I like to see that. And uh, he's definitely a guy who's going to get some points on the power play playing with guys like, uh, you know, Matthews and stuff like that. I did not have Tavares in my top 10. How about you, Mason? Yeah, I had Tavares 10th. So uh, that's a good start, PJ. We've already got one of the same name on the boards and um, yeah, just pretty much agree with everything that PJ said. 
Um, he's about as lock, uh, as close to a lock as you can be um, for being a point-per-game guy every season. Um, if I were to project him, I'd say point-per-game plus or minus five points. Um, like BJ said, his, he had a bit of a down year this year, but um, it doesn't really concern me at all. He's been doing this for since he entered the league, essentially, um, just been a point-per-game guy, and um, I think that'll continue. Nylander's a great winger, and I don't think it really matters who they put uh, over on the other side. And um, yeah, lots of shots, which I um, really love, especially in couple and um, some different decent other peripherals too. So um, he may not have the ceiling that some of these guys uh, that we talk about will, or even some guys outside the top 10, but um, I looked over his last like five seasons this year, he finished like 13th. And then um, the other seasons he's been between like eighth and 12th every single year. Um, so I would just expect him to finish there. Even if he's not top 10, he's, you know, he's going to be like 11th or 12th. Yeah. Tavares is someone that if you're grabbing him here, pretty much you can get him maybe in like those middle rounds. It's usually very good value just because he has such a high floor. Obviously he's not playing on that top line, uh, with Matthews, but in general, you can, yeah, like you guys mentioned, you can always count on him for shots and going and look, I didn't actually have him as an honorable mention, but kind of going back in looking at his stats, they are a lot more consistent than I remembered. I, I don't know why, but in my head, I had kind of thought that he had tailed off a little bit ever since coming over to Toronto and being on that second line, but now they stayed pretty consistent. Yeah. Like you mentioned a little bit of a drop off last year, but obviously short season maybe he's able to make that up over like a full 82 kind of game thing and what we kind of talked about with Marner about how maybe this will be the year that they kind of consistently put out that top best power play and kind of stick with it and I do think if they do finally do that then you can even see even more of an uptick in Tavares as well yeah and I'm really hoping that uh, you know some people might be similar thinking to what you just mentioned Dave because I don't think you're too far off with that off season. You know, I'm hoping some of my opponents aren't uh, aren't as uh, recognizing that he has been so consistent up until last year, and he might actually fall a bit more in some of these drafts. And I would be very happy to scoop him if he doesn't go as one of the top ten centermen. I'd feel pretty confident, like Mason said, that he's, you know, even if he doesn't end up tenth, he's probably going to be in that top fifteen lock in my opinion as long as he stays healthy through an 82 game season mason any, any other closing thoughts on at tavares there not really i'll just add um yeah a lot of a lot of the other centers in this like point range just don't have the same peripherals and um i think it's those those shots and hits that keep him really consistent um he's obviously talented he's going to be on a great team um so i i think this last season was almost his floor um, which is kind of strange to say, but uh, yeah, I I just feel he's as safe as any player um, as you can pick uh, in this range. Sounds good. So PJ had fourth, tenth, and so did Mason. I did not have him in my top ten. Uh, let's kick it over to Mason, or actually no, kicking over to myself because he was both your guys tenth overall. And so my 10th overall here, I might start be a little bit of a hot take here. I'm going with uh, Zibanejad as my 10th overall center here. Um, just kind of, obviously we talked about the stacked list. So this isn't as much kind of like poo-pooing Zibanejad. Like it's just 
probably a couple spots lower than maybe most people would have him maybe a little bit. A lot of people, I bet you guys might have him maybe in like your seven or eight range, I'm guessing. But to me, the, the players that I have above him are just, I think, a little bit more consistent. With Zibanejad, obviously, recently he's been pretty good, but you saw during last season, he definitely has those cold stretches and just the, the beginning of his career it took a while for him to finally start kind of clicking into him becoming the superstar that he is now. And I think with those lapses last year, it just scares me and reminds me that he wasn't always this good and he can very easily fall off at any time. But, but then on the flip side, you saw that he could just absolutely explode. And if you kind of ride that hot streak during a playoffs, he's someone who can take you to a championship. So I think at 10th here, you probably won't be where I'm ranking him. You probably won't be able to get him at that value in the draft. But me personally, uh, that's where I would feel comfortable taking him after the nine guys in front of him. Mason, do you have Zabanjad anywhere? Yeah, I have Zabanjad at seventh. So you were right on there. How about you, PJ? I also have Zabanjad at seventh. And I think part of the... The reason I have him placed there is similar to what we were just saying about uh, Tavares is that he's got great peripherals. Uh, you know, Zavanagia, the guy who hits, he helps you with that floor no matter what. So, um, you know, he's he's pushing around 200 shots a season, which I, I like, you know, maybe even a bit more in those 82 games. We'll see what he, he puts up this next year. Um, but he also, you know, is going to be over 100 hits is, is my guess uh, this season for sure and, and have some great, I think he had around 75-ish last year in a, 50 something games. So, you know, he's going to put up a lot of hits as well. His shooting percentage did come down last year from the year before where he was like shooting out of his mind um, and back more to a career average. So, you know, the one thing I do uh, agree with you, Dave, is that he can be a bit streaky. We saw last season, he started out super slow, you know, lots of people talking like, do I just drop him? Can I even trade him? That sort of thing. I think anyone who traded for him was very happy or anyone that held on to him was as well because he then just exploded. If you look at where he ended up finishing, that's also with you know his first however many 15 to 20 games of just being nothing, and then he just exploded again. So if he can get a bit of consistency, I think he's definitely in that you know seven-ish range. Um, but you're right, Dave, if he, if he ends up being slow or have more streaks like that throughout a season, he could drop a bit more. So I don't think you're too far off saying that he could drop down a bit more. I just like his his floor with all those peripherals. That that's what kind of bumps him up for me. Yeah, I think uh, like you were saying, he's got a great floor. It's kind of funny that he and Tavares both have that in common. When Tavares is about as consistent game to game as you can get, whereas Banajad is, you know, can go on two weeks of being absolutely nuts and scoring four points a game, and then go for a couple of weeks without getting many points. So that plays into draft philosophy a little bit, but. Um, the one thing that Tavares doesn't have uh, that Zibanejad does, which puts him at seven for me, is the ability to, if he has some um, extra hot stretches in a year, to be the absolute number one overall um, skater. Like he did that last season. So we're one season removed from that. And, um, you know, it was really only one month this year that pulled him down out of that conversation again. Um, which was his first month. So um, I'd be willing to put more stock into the rest of his season and to the season before um, and just say, uh, yeah, he's one of the top uh, elite centers 
Um, he finished actually at seventh overall for centers and points per game this past season too. So even with um, that cold month at the start, he still ended at seventh, which is where I would uh, have him ranked for this year. And I think that just gives a bit of flexibility for if he has some longer cold stretches, um, you know, maybe that prevents him from reaching that ceiling and he finishes uh, right near the end of that top 10. Um, but if he goes off, like um, I think he's capable of that he's shown the last couple of years and Lafreniere takes a step forward and um, things like that, then uh, he could end up as one of the top couple. Definitely. I just would feel more comfortable letting someone else take him. Um, like if he's still there, maybe in like top of the third, I would definitely jump all over that kind of thing. But more than likely, he's going to probably be gone by <laughs> somewhere in the mid second round, I think here. Or the end of the first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. De- depending on the size of your league, I suppose. Alrighty. And so uh, for Zabenejad, I had him ranked 10th overall. And uh, Mason and PJ might have an identical list here as they both have him ranked seventh overall here. But uh, PJ, let's kick it over to you. Who do you have as your ninth overall center? Yeah, so ninth overall, I'm going with uh, Mark Scheifele, uh, the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, he's a guy that I've had on and off for many seasons, and he you know, has had a few little tiny streaks, but I find he's a pretty consistent guy generally. He, that's somebody you can rely on at least on a, on a full season that he's going to be putting up huge points. He plays on you know that top line in Winnipeg that's you know they're sent out there a fair amount they get a, a decent amount of ice time and and they're they're guys who like to shoot playing with Kyle Connor um is a, another guy that's going to just help you and I know they've had a rotating cast of people kind of coming through you know sometimes Wheeler gets on that wing they've had you know guys like line a and stuff over over the years trying to crack onto the first line get dropped second but somehow Mark Shifley I've just found has always kind of stayed pretty steady um, and always had a pretty high points total. So he was a guy that I just felt pretty confident with uh, in my top 10. Um, you know, he's finished top, higher than ninth overall in a, in a couple seasons recently, but as age comes and as some of these other guys I'm interested in are, are coming, you know, into their own and a bit younger, I just bumped him down to, to nine for me. I did not have Shifley ranked in my top 10. How about you, Mason? Yeah, I had Shifley at eight. Um, I think he's super interchangeable with who I have at ninth, but I just like him a little bit better. So um, yeah, I guess uh, to go into Shifley, uh, I'll probably leave the conversation actually to compare him um, with my ninth skater since i think that's the biggest question for me yeah this thing with shifley is just too much of a suspension risk you know what i mean (laughs) can always but uh no in all seriousness uh he's definitely certainly consistent uh, that's for sure the floor is pretty much there but to me i think the floor really could be like 65 but and i think his ceiling is probably about a point per game i don't really obviously this year he paced over that I think the best you could hope for is like 85 points for him. So anywhere from like 65 to 85 points, I think you can expect from Shifley, but at around where you'd be drafting him at ninth overall here above someone like Tavares, I would, yeah, again, I'll, I'd let someone else take that. Uh, and he doesn't shoot a lot. Um, he's some, someone more of like a, I'd rather take a chance on someone like Backstrom that is going to still get me probably maybe not the exact same amount of points, maybe just, but just a little bit less and someone who also doesn't give you a ton of peripherals as well. So yeah, I don't think I would like to take him this high. 
Yeah, I guess the one thing I just like what we were talking about consistency is like the past five years, he's been a point per game player or or slightly above. Um, you know, he had 60 and 60 and one of those and every other one has been a couple points over a point per game. And, and then last year, you know, he, he went even higher. Um, I know we've mentioned it before. Last year, he was playing in that North Division that just scored buckets of goals. Um, so that might have had something to lead into why it was so much higher. But I'm still pretty confident saying that he's going to be a point per game guy this next year or, or close to. Um, I can understand what you're saying, Dave, you know, as he gets older and, and things change. But I, I find 60 is going to be a bit too low for me. Uh, I think, you know, if he has a slight down year, I'm still saying he's in those 70 point range. And, and I think he definitely could be pushing for a point per game guy. Yeah, I've got to disagree with the 65 point floor. Uh, like PJ said, being over a point per game the last five seasons. Um, I can't see that happening. I can't see him. I kind of feel like 75 um, would be the floor with the 85 or 90 as the ceiling. Um, he's just got going to have two great wingers, no matter how they end up shaking out the lines. And um, that talk power, power play always uh, clicks. So even though his uh, shots are a little bit lower, um, yeah, I think everything else that he does uh, – vaults him up a little bit for me and he finished ninth um in fantasy points per game this last year uh don't really see why he can't do it again since uh, there are some other guys uh, around that top 10 that i think were uh punching a little bit above their weight class this year so um yeah i've got him locked in in the top 10 something that there's not a question of is whoever's playing with shifley is the top line so i think that's something you can rely on without a doubt here. So uh, for Shifley, uh, let's see here. PJ had him ranked ninth. Mason had him ranked eighth, and I did not have him ranked. So uh, let's go to uh, Mason. Let's hear your ninth overall. Yeah, I had Sebastian Ajo at ninth overall. Yeah, he's very similar to Shifley for me. He is a few years younger, although I don't know what you guys were really saying about Shifley's age concerns. He's only 27. He's got, he's got a lot of time left. Um, but yeah, Ajo's only 23. He's still, you know, only just in his prime. And a lot of the players he's playing with are super young too. Um, whether that ends up being Tara Vinen or um, Svechnikov or, you know, Marty Natchez, if they decide to bump him up to the top line. Um, he's going to have great wingers as well. They also have a great power play. One of the reasons I dropped him down a little is because of the uh, not having Hamilton there on the top power play where they scored a lot of points um, this past season. And um, yeah, so that's that's a bit of a question for me. And then um, it seems like they've really been trying to spread out those wingers as well. So I'm not sure if he's going to end up with like if he played with Svechnikov and Teravine in the entire year, then I would have him higher up on this list. But it's, uh, yeah, it's a bit of a question because they haven't been willing to put Svechnikov there for a season. Um, yeah, that kind of uh, caps that ceiling a little bit. But um, yeah, he, he's a point per game guy too. I think he could have another gear. Um, again, if they give him great wingers, um, and as he moves into like his age 24 season, I um, think he could still put things together a little bit more. Um, and I think in five years, he's going to be one of these guys we're talking about that's still in the top 10, like Shifley and Tavares. 
um, just doing it year after year. Yeah, I actually had Aho a little bit higher. I had him ranked seventh overall. How about you, PJ? Where do you have him? Yeah, I have him just uh, swapped with Mason basically on on our last two picks. I have him at eighth overall, um, and pretty much very similar to what Mason said. Uh, there is some concerns with Hamilton, uh, you know, not being on that power play anymore. But I'm kind of leaning a little bit more on the I hope that Svechnikov and him are going to be locked together this year. And if they're playing with Taravina, that just that excites me a lot. I'm, I'm a huge fan of Svechnikov and and I'm a huge fan of Aho. And I think if they can play together, um, you know, that's that's where it's going to be. And, and so similar to what Mason was saying, when I was deciding between Shifley and, and Aho on who I was going to put where, I think I was just going, leaning on, you know, the the young up-and-comer. I, I know Shifley is only 28, Mason. He's not that old. He, he does have some older guys on the team and, and also some questions on, you know, what D is going to be playing on that power play. Are they going to keep Pionk there? Are they going to keep trying Morrissey, fail in that spot like he has been? Um, but, yeah, with Aho, you know, I just like that top line. And then power play, I feel like they can still make it happen. Um, it'll be interesting to see who they have on that power play. Are they going to go with uh, you know, their horrible pickup or, or are they going to play some other guys? Maybe my boy Ethan Bear will be in there. I don't know. I'd be excited to see that. But I'm just excited to see Aho, this young guy, playing with some some fairly young dudes who are, are going to be just you know pushing their, their point totals in the next few years. So I'm just excited, probably going on the upside a bit there on, on this one. But uh, I'm with Mason. Those two, for me, could be pretty interchangeable between Shifley and Aho when it came to me in the draft. Yeah, I would much rather have Aho than anyone else that we've talked about so far uh, because, Mason, you kind of talked about, you know, the rotating lines and things like that. To me, that's all the more reason to believe in that upside because he has had those rotating lines and yet he's still put up the kind of elite production that we've seen from him. And to me, if he does get those consistent, like, top line mates and they're able to stick with them I think he's able to take his game to that even next level and so what PJ mentioned he's still very young just entering his uh, age 24 season here and I just still think he can make that I think with everything being considered I think point per game is essentially his floor at this point and I think he can be one of those guys that could reach triple digit points if everything goes right obviously um, I do hear the concern about uh, Dougie Hamilton not being there anymore but to me that's something that they're going to be able to figure out relatively easily I think um, regardless of who it is they'll find someone who will be able to click with them it's not when you're playing with those kind of elite players it's easy to be a great PP quarterback there so but you never know Um, we'll see and but I don't think that's something that would have a legitimate um, heavy point consideration maybe maybe that makes him like a uh, 77 point player instead of an 82 point player I think uh, worst case scenario but ultimately I don't think that'll impact him too much overall so I have uh, Aho seventh Um, let's see here Uh, PJ had Aho eighth and Mason had Aho ninth and so now it looks like we're all in agreement of who is in our top six center. It's just a matter of uh, how we rank them here. But first, we'll have a, I have a couple picks for me to go through here. So my ninth overall is Tyler Sagan. And uh, so that's someone who PJ had seventh in his right winger list. But now I am putting him eighth on my center list. So we don't have to talk too much about Sagan since we already talked about him as a uh, 
right winger here, but I guess I'll hear you guys thoughts on uh, where I ranked him here ninth and your thoughts about him, uh, me ranking him a little bit higher than uh, Zemed and Jet. Uh, we'll send it over to uh, you, PJ. Yeah, obviously I'm, I'm a fan of saying I put him in my right wingers. I, I slotted him there obviously just because I felt the right winger class was a bit shallower. And if I was drafting him on my team, I'd probably be putting him into that, you know, right wing spot whenever I could to, to free up and have some of these other centermen. Um, like you mentioned, the the right and center are probably two of the shallower, not shallower, but, you know, less of a disparity between some of the guys later on. So, uh, yeah, I like them. I don't know if I actually would have made him in my top 10 had I not had him in my right wings, to be perfectly honest. But he is a guy that I, I like and I, and I did go into him before. So, you know, he's a guy that interests me. As I mentioned before, I love his shots. His shots are just like gold to me. He's going to give you that floor no matter what in um, any fantasy leagues that counts any points for shots or any cats leagues, anything like that. So for that, I really like him, but I probably still would have had him just outside of my uh, top 10 for centerman. Yeah. Even though I was considering Sagan a center, I didn't have him in my top 10. Um, he'd be an honorable mention for me. And uh, like you guys have said, like, I really like Sagan. I like his shots. Um, his goal uh, totals are usually pretty high too. So those count for extra points. Um, but for me, like, just because we didn't see him at all this last season, he played three games, um, and the year before, he only put up, like, a 59-point pace, so that still leaves a little bit of a bitter taste in my mouth. I think he definitely has the ceiling to be, um, yeah, an insane value um, and end up as kind of like a point-per-game guy with a ton of shots and other peripherals, which would make him extremely valuable for fantasy um, but I can't rank him in my top 10 over those guys that have such a, uh, such a high floor and guys like Aho and Shifley. Um, something interesting from our mock drafts that we've been doing um, with kickupful patrons is um, Shifley and Aho have been going in the early 20s. And Sagan's ADP is currently 53. So um, even though, like, I'm saying I prefer those guys to him, like, I would rather get Sagan at 50 or even 40 um, than taking one of these guys at 20, um, just because you do have that upside um, and the floor with the shots. I was just going to say, yeah, I fully agree with you on that one, Mason. That's awesome value in my mind. If you could get him around there, that'd be, you know, I'd be running to the you know the party <laughs> laughing at that one i'd be stoked uh those shots like i mentioned are just awesome and and as chris you know has mentioned many times there's uh you know if you can shake that saganitis and stop hitting all those bars and put a few more of those in uh you know that'd be pretty good too but uh but yeah thanks for bringing that up mason i i, I love that take uh if i could skip over one of these guys and maybe take one of those wingers or maybe uh you know one of those d or something like that um and then wait a little longer and get Sagan I'd be pretty happy with my team yeah Sagan is gonna have insane value this year unless too many people listen to this podcast and maybe it inflates his value to where maybe he'll then be properly ranked but yeah Mason mentioned obviously the one down year he had but that was about it pretty much every other year he's been a point per game guy on top of his insane shot volume and yeah hitting the post 
during that one down year led to his lowest shooting percentage of his career and only 6.9%. But I do believe that that'll jump back up here. And now, and back then when he did have that down year, they were pretty much putting the whole offense on his back. Nowadays, when he comes back, all of a sudden he's got pretty talented, like teammates to actually like pull some of the load and maybe not have the defense kind of all gear up on him every single game if they're able to spread it out a little bit more so even though he did have that one bad year i still think he's incredibly consistent especially for shots if nothing else and so i think he's going to be tremendous value no matter where you get him this year in this draft so i have sagan ranked ninth overall on my uh center list uh pj had him seventh on his right winger list and then uh, Mason did not have him on any list. Moving on to eighth overall, we already mentioned Mason has Shifley. Uh, PJ had Aho, and I'll move on to my eighth ranked center. And it's someone that we've already talked about again in a different list. It's Stamkos. And so if you listen to our right winger list, you know that both Mason and PJ had him ranked as their sixth overall right winger. I've got him as my eighth ranked center. So pretty close in our value there. The only thing uh, that did change from our last right wing podcast is that Yahoo has since went back and taken away his left wing eligibility, but he still qualifies for both our list here as a center right wing eligible, which are the main ones you want him to be eligible for anyways, but ever so slightly uh, that does ding him and a little bit of value. Uh, so we don't have to talk about Stamkos too much here as we already did, but uh, uh, PJ, how do you feel about the, how much does him lo losing his left wing eligibility? Would that maybe uh, knock him down to maybe like uh, seventh or eighth overall on your list in your right winger list? I think I'd probably keep him in the same spot on my right winger list. I'm pretty happy with him there. And and I am a guy who I'm a big fan of Stamkos. I've been for years. I have him in two different dynasty leagues. And he basically just is a lock in my right wing spot, even back when he was still playing center the more, majority of the time and, and had that right wing. Um, I'm a big fan of his. It'll be interesting to see this year. Uh, I actually, as much as there was talk about Tampa Bay having to lose a ton of guys for this cap, I actually don't mind those top two lines still what they might shake out. I'm, I'm a fan of Kalorn on his wing. If it's uh, you know, I, I actually think Stamkos might play right wing a bit more this season uh, and they might have Sorelli up centering that second line. If, if they can find the trust in him again, after his down year last year, um, he's still a young guy, but I would love to see that line. And then that power play really, that's like what we talked about on the right wing episode. It's, you know, if you're playing on that power play with some of those guys, you're just bound to get some points. It's it's one of the top power plays in the league. So I like him. I still have to say, Dave, I, I don't know if he would have cracked my top 10 for center again, although he probably would have maybe made it into my 10th spot. That would have been probably where, where I'd look at him for that. Uh, I am a huge fan of his, so I'd have a hard time not putting him in the top 10, but I guess just because I was able to put him in the right wing, that that became a bit more of a no-brainer for me. But I'm a fan. I like the pick, and uh, he should have a good season as long as he can stay healthy. Yeah, he's a great player. Um, I would have him in my top ten if I had um, seen him as a center. Uh, he's in that same Shifley Aho tier to me ahead of uh, Tavares, who he would have bumped out. All right, sounds good. So I had Stamkos here as my eighth overall center, and both uh, PJ and Mason had him. And the, as their sixth best uh, right winger. And then also PJ had 
Aho as his eighth overall, and Mason had Shifley as his eighth overall center. Uh, moving on to our seventh overall players, we've talked about all of them already. Uh, PJ and Mason both had Zabinajad as their seventh ranked center, and I had Aho ranked as my seventh ranked center. So uh, let's move into the players. We all know who's going to be in the top six, but the order might differentiate a little bit here. I guess we'll see. Let's start it with you, Mason. Who do you have as your sixth ranked center? I have Sidney Crosby as my sixth ranked center. And uh, yeah, before we get into it, I'd love to hear where you guys have him ranked. I have Sidney Crosby also as my sixth ranked center. How about you, PJ? Well, we'll just be a little bit of broken record here because, uh, <laughs> yeah, I also have him ranked sixth. Uh, and I think that's, uh, you know, as this attests to, I think that's the right spot for him. I think it's great. Awesome. Yeah, I am a little worried that PJ and I have essentially the exact same list, one to ten. So I'm glad that I ended up putting um, Shifley ahead of Aho so we could have at least one difference for people to vote on, though. I'm not sure that's the side of the argument I <laughs> I actually want to be on at this point after after our discussion. Um, but yeah, Crosby, there's not that much to say about him. He uh, he put up over 100 points in his first year in the league. He's done that uh, nine times since then. Um, lately, he's been more of a you know 90 point guy than a 100 point guy. But it doesn't matter too much. Um, he's got amazing players to play with. He's on a good team. Yeah, he the top four centers I think are clearly ahead of him. Um, but he's ahead of those uh, seven through ten guys. Top five. Well. So sorry. The top five guys in front of him. Oh yeah, I just mean um, those top four are in a separate tier, but I would see um, the guy that I have in fifth uh, very close to Crosby. But yeah, to me, like it's hard to move him outside of this range. Um, it's pretty clear that this is where he should be. And um, this past season, he finished <laughs> sixth in points per game um, with a pretty big buffer between um, the guy above him and the guy below him. So I think... Yeah, I don't think, I just don't see a lot changing this year. Um, the one thing that differentiates him from who I have at fifth is that um, I see the Pittsburgh arrow kind of trending down. Um, it's an aging team as opposed to yeah, a couple of these other teams with, uh, I see the arrow pointing up. Um, they're getting older, they're getting better, and um, we'll probably take a bit of a step forward while he takes a little bit of a step back. But um, I'm not going to bet against Crosby ever until he just has a flat out bad season and then i'll have to reevaluate and even then i feel like he's still gonna get picked in the the top 10 he's he's been a top 10 pick in fantasy for as long as i can remember ever since ever since he was drafted that 100 point year right off the bat yeah so i'm with you on on most of what you said i i agree uh on that i i actually one thing i'm pretty excited about with him is yeah, they have some older guys, but they have some guys in contract years. Chris Letang played an awesome season last year and stayed healthy. And if he can, like that just makes that power play that much better. If Malkin can, you know, stay healthy for the majority of the year, I will never bet on him being healthy for 82 games. But uh, if he can be up close to that, you know, those are some good players. And it's awesome having that kind of one-two punch with Crosby and Malkin there because it takes a bit of that pressure off having a top center that has to play all that you know, position of defense, offense, everything. When you have that kind of one-two punch, it really lets those players play their game a bit more and not have to take the whole team on their back. 
So I think teams that have some more of that one-two punch really, uh, it benefits their top end guys to be able to, you know, get those points and play. Plus Crosby is just such a creative guy by far, in my opinion, the best back end in the league. Um, and I think there's many that would agree with that. And it's just something that still fools goalies, no, no matter how many times he's tried throwing one of those backhands or one-handed goals, he still gets those highlight reels every year. So he's a fun player to watch. And, and yeah, there's no way I'd be dropping him any lower than six on my, uh, my centerman this year. Yes. Yeah, Sidney Crosby, best player in the world, uh, not best fantasy player in the world here. Uh, Cause there are some players who are on a little bit, uh, worse of a team maybe and just like to rack up numbers but they won't ever do anything in the playoffs we won't mention names but we might talk about them in a little bit later on here but uh and yeah Crosby's been in the league forever I'm old enough to uh have actually seen uh in person Sidney Crosby playing with Mario Lemieux so that's how long he's been in the league here forever and he's still putting up crazy production it's just insane and um I do disagree with Mason obviously a that uh penguins aren't going to have a good year i think they're going to maybe not going to have a deep playoff run which has kind of been their mo over the last couple of years but i think they're going to run it in the regular season here and yeah pj stole my thunder about talking about all the players and contract years everyone's in a prove it kind of year which i love obviously they're under new management and so they're kind of putting telling those guys to kind of put up or shut up if they kind of want a new contract here. So I think they're going to be just bonkers in the regular season. And then in regards to his actual point production, he's obviously a safe point per game guy, but I don't think he has the same kind of ceiling as the top five do um, in regards to how high they could potentially go if everything works out well for them. But um, we did have a bet last year, Mason, you may remember on who would have the more a couple points uh, Sidney Crosby or Jake Gensel. Uh, do you remember who won that bet? And would you be willing to make it again? I definitely remember who won that bet. And it was not Jake Gensel. Uh, <laughs> I, um, I'm not sure if I would make it again. I think they're pretty close, but I agree with you that I would probably stick with the safer guy in Crosby. Sounds good. Sounds good. All right. Well, at least you learned. I guess that's the good thing here. But uh, all right, so everyone has City Crosby across the board here as their sixth overall center. If you do want to get him, I think uh, your best bet is the, the probably the best value you're going to get. I've seen a bunch of people take Crosby at that first to second round turn at the end, very end of the round there. But I, and I think that's about as far as he's going to fall. I have I have seen him slip a, a little bit in a couple mocks, like into like mid second. I think if you get him there, that's tremendous value. But um, yeah, I wouldn't expect to see him much further than like the first pick of the second round in most drafts. And I think that's good value because what I always try to draft whenever I'm drafting that high is uh, players that aren't going to miss. I don't like taking a chance on guys with big upside because you can't necessarily win a draft in the first round, but you can certainly lose it. if Your guy just completely combusts or gets injured or whatever the case may be. Crosby is everyone's sixth overall center. PJ, let's hear who you have fifth overall. Yeah, so I went uh, with Barkov for my uh, fifth overall. Um, he's a guy that I think has been on a pretty good trajectory in fantasy pools in general of, you know, bumping his value each year, showing more, showing more. I love some of the guys he's playing with in Florida. I feel like Florida itself just took a step forward last year uh, even more with just a bit more of uh, that offense. You know, there's 
been some questions of their goaltending and their defense and that sort of thing. But one thing Florida doesn't have a hard time doing is putting the puck in the back of the net. And for that, you know, Barkov just ends up being somebody that I get pretty excited about if I could, uh, you know, if I was in kind of the end of the first round sort of thing at the turn and he's still around, definitely a guy I'm going to be looking at. I like a lot of his game too. It's, it's not just that he's putting the points up, you know, he doesn't shoot as much as some of the other guys, but he's a guy that drives the play. So more of the eye test, maybe even less of the, the fantasy world. He's a guy that I just watch and I, I know he's a guy who's smart on the ice. He's doing the right things and that, that translates to his points. And, and with that translates into the fantasy world as well. Um, yeah, so he's he's a guy that I had pretty comfortably locked in at my fifth overall position. Jason shocked the world, or did you also have Barkov fifth overall? I also had Barkov at fifth overall. And uh, Dave, so do you remember last year we made a bet uh, Barkov versus Dreisaitl uh, in total fantasy points? Do you remember who won that bet? It was you, and obviously we'll get into <laughs> Dreisaitl in a little bit here, but Barkov is someone who I always overrate and Dreisaitl I always underrate. So that was definitely the perfect storm <laughs> for you, for sure. Um, yeah, but I, I love Barkov here. Uh, I remember um, in the like Florida Panthers preview a couple of years ago, um, Elon was thinking maybe Barkov could hit 100 points and I was all about that in, in the chat like yeah 100 point Barkov like I'm here for it and then he had a bad season uh, but he bounced back this year and maybe we were just a year or two early um, he had like 100 point pace this season and um, I think the team's getting better hopefully Ekblad's healthy hopefully they get some better goaltending with Spencer Knight um, I just think this team is going to be a juggernaut and it would be hard for Barkov not to put up 90 plus points. I don't want to, I don't want to put a ceiling on Barkov. I like him too much. He could, he could explode even for like, I don't know, something like 110, maybe even like 115. Who knows? That's why I have him over Crosby, just because that ceiling is so much higher. But when you do look at his stats, yeah, he did just have like that one year where he kind of really uh, blew the, the door off the hinges there. But I do believe that this could be that year where he's able to do it again, just because, well, the, the good news is that he does have better line mates and obviously so he may sh maybe should be able to score a little bit more because of that. And because the defenses can't just key in on that top line with Huberto or something like that. But on the other hand, the only thing that does scare me with him is you kind of mentioned Spencer uh, Knight and being a net and things like that. I just don't want to see them going away from completely exposing their goaltender constantly and just running and gunning up the ice and just being all offense and not really caring about defense. Cause maybe if they do do that, uh, maybe he is just a point per game guy and you're still going to get value out of him kind of having that floor of being a point per game guy, but for where you're drafting him probably around like somewhere like 10th overall, I'm guessing somewhere around there, you're just kind of hoping that you're not just getting a point per game guy, but someone who can kind of exceed that and kind of have that chance of hitting the triple digits. Mason, who do you have as your fourth overall center for this next year um i have leon dreisaitl as my fourth center um, which may come as a bit of a shock but he did finish fourth overall this past year so um there's nothing too crazy there if you look at it that way um i think dreisaitl is a fantastic player but i think people just see him as being one two with Connor mcdavid and i really don't see it that way i think this second through fourth 
Um, it's fairly interchangeable. And the main reason I have um, the other guys ahead of him is they put up way more shots and uh, more other peripherals than he does. Mine and Mason's that... list changed. We changed our list. <laughs> finally. Uh, yeah, actually, I have Drysaddle second overall. Uh, maybe a little bit of the, the Euler fan of me there. But uh, actually, my reasoning more so would be that dual eligibility. Um, you know, I, I like that he can be slotted into that left wing center spot when I'm, you know, playing around with my team. And like Mason said, I do find these kind of, you know, two through four pretty interchangeable for where they're going to finish in fantasy points, especially in the cup bowl. I think it was last year, like you said, Mason, he finished fourth, but the year before he finished first overall in, in a couple points, uh, if I'm not mistaken or somewhere like that first or second. And for that reason, he's probably going to finish in that top two to four range, but with the dual eligibility for him, uh, that's what puts him up a bit higher for me. Uh, even though I'm kind of with you, Mason, on, you know, these other guys that we're going to talk about uh, shortly possibly have more in shots. Well, they do have more in shots and, and maybe some other perifs, but uh, that dual eligibility and still going to be putting up huge fantasy points. And like I mentioned with Tampa Bay, Edmonton's power play, that's where they're deadly. That's where he's gets, you know, a lot of his bread and butter uh, playing alongside McDavid and, and whoever else they decide to throw on the ice, basically will we'll guarantee that they're getting some points. Yeah. And I also had a uh, dry saddle ranked as second overall in my centers. And yeah, obviously I love the dual eligibility. And as I mentioned prior, he is someone who, every year I think it's going to be that year that he has that drop off. And yeah, kind of like what Mason said, maybe last year was a drop off. If you did draft him like either second or third overall, only getting uh, only getting 84 points in 56 games. If that's considered a drop off, I will take him uh, second overall every day of the week and twice on Sunday. But uh, as you mentioned, you said, uh, you said he was fourth overall and a couple points. Yeah, in points per game, he played eight more games than McKinnon, so um, he was a little bit, he was ahead of him in total points, but uh, not in points per game. Okay, and yeah, so he's just someone I think is, has a guaranteed elite production, but I still think every, he's so, the difference, I think the main thing with him is that if I'm in an auction league, I'm never going to spend the money to get dry sidle. But if I'm in a redraft league, I will happily take him in the second overall pick just because the, the guaranteed upside for him is so clearly there. And he's someone that, you know, if you, I kind of mentioned in one of our other podcasts about Kudrov, if you see you're going against dry side only, he's playing four times that week, you're worried, you're worried because he could maybe, you know, account for maybe four guys on your team just from uh, dry side alone. But um, yeah, I'm not too worried about the shots. I would just be worried about for whatever reason he's just someone that i'm going to draft him second overall but i'm not going to be happy about it he's not just someone that i enjoy as a player i suppose other i guess pj you love him though right i do yeah i'm a big fan and and one of the things that actually bumps him up a bit more for me that i didn't touch on yet is some of the extra additions that edmonton's done this year should actually alleviate some of his time having to play on the pk and doing defensive zone starts all the time they've brought in you know uh, Derek Ryan I don't know if he'll slot in as third or fourth line center but he's going to be able to take some of those face-offs in their defensive zone I'm not saying he's the guy that's going to be putting up points or anything but he's going to make it so that dry settle doesn't have to always have those defensive zone starts having a guy like Hyman who could probably play on the PK a bit more as well 
Um, you know, just if they can give him a bit more time in the offensive zone, we might even see, you know, more points from dry settle. So it's just something I'm excited about to, to watch as an Oilers fan, but also as a fantasy fan and a fan of dry settle. I, I do like him. I would be happy, you know, taking him at second. I'm, I'm not going to have any hesitation to, to be perfectly honest, dual eligibility guy who's probably a lock to be in the top four in scoring, no matter what. And, you know, potentially, even though he's been playing unreal, you know, he was uh, MVP two years ago. Um, he's, he's just a guy that might even have more point potential. Um, the one thing is he's probably going to be playing second line center more this year, rather than, you know, right in the wing with McDavid, but I'm not, uh, I would not bet against him not getting put with McDavid in like dying minutes of a period anytime when they just want to get that extra goal or, or push for it. It's kind of what we saw them start doing last year as well. Um, even at the ends of games, even when they were playing separate from each other, it was like that last three minutes, they basically throw him and McDavid out for like a three minute shift at the end of every period. So, uh, and plus they're playing that power play together. So he's, he's going to be putting up points. Um, so that's why I'm pretty excited about him. And, and that's why I have him slotted number two. Um, but I can also understand why he would maybe go anywhere between two and four. If he falls any farther than that, I think you're laughing. You're you're getting a steal for that first round, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, you can dream of someone taking Vasilevsky in the top four and bumping <laughs> one of these guys down. Can't really oh, see it happening. It I'd be so happy. Um, uh, yeah, I think, I mean, I don't think you can go wrong with any of these uh, top four picks, and um, I don't think any of them can lose you your league, and they all have the upside to win you a week any given week. Um, just a comment on the, the reason I have him below the other two is, um, I mean, he put up 123-point pace this past season, and Matthews and McKinnon put up 95 and 110, respectively. And yet they still finished higher than him in fantasy points. Um, I think each of those guys could put up more points than they put up this past season. Um, and I can't really see Drysaddle going up from like a 123-point pace. Like he did it a couple of years ago, uh, like you said, finished first overall. But um, he was playing with McDavid a lot of that season. And so being on the second line, it, like it doesn't hurt him that much, but he might lose five or 10 points that he would have gotten playing with McDavid, maybe lose some goals. So yeah, I think I just don't really see, um, because he doesn't take those shots that these other guys do, they can put up 20, 25 fewer points and still be in the same conversation as him. Um, or even beat him. So um, I think if they in increase on their points, they just have upside to move past him pretty easily. One thing I'm interested to see is if his shots actually do go up anymore. Um, I don't think they'll go anywhere near what these other two guys are doing, like you said, Mason. But with him playing uh, on McDavid's wing, he definitely has just those prime passes. And when he was centering his own line, he kind of was running the play a lot more, where when he was playing with McDavid, he kind of got into the zone and got into that spot. If they now are able to run a steady line and have him have a bit more confidence in his wingers to be able to carry the puck, I don't know if Hyman's going to be playing with him or McDavid. I have a feeling Hyman will be with McDavid and they'll try that Nugent Hopkins dry settle Yamamoto line that worked so well for them like two years ago, but clearly it didn't really click as much last year. 
Uh, but with that, Nugent Hopkins was playing with McDavid a lot more. Uh, I would just be interested to see if if Drysaddle can not be the guy who has to break into the zone every time on that second line. If he has somebody else who's at him like a Nugent Hopkins or if Yamamoto gets you know, back to how he was playing two years ago. I'd love to see those shots jump up maybe, you know, 20 to 30 on the season. Um, but I'm with you. He doesn't have the same shots as, as these next two guys we're going to talk about. Uh, but we have also seen, you know, uh, McDavid's shots go up as well over the few seasons. So um, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, I'm excited as an Oilers fan. So that's probably just why I'm talking too much about it. Yeah, good stuff. So yeah, can't go wrong here. Just a matter of uh, preference on where you take him, I guess, in that uh, top four, but definitely uh, if you do get dry saddle fourth, definitely I think getting a steal there because then you're also getting someone before those other top three guys on the turn in the second round. So uh, me and uh, PJ got dry saddle second overall, and Mason with a little bit of a hot take has him fourth overall. PJ, who do you have as your fourth overall center? Yeah, so fourth overall, going uh, back over to Toronto. We've already talked about uh, who I had at 10th, but now going with Austin Matthews. And similar to what we were talking about uh, previously is shots are a huge one. Goals are are what I love about this guy. Like he's just a natural goal scorer. He has potential to push for a you know 50 goal season. Um, it's something that's very real. And, and in leagues that count those uh, you know goals as being you know you get your shot point plus your goal as well uh, you know he's a guy that's just gonna get you fantasy points alone with that we mentioned Toronto's also running their power play um, you know a bit more of like what we'd like to see from a from a top power play of a team with you know offensive power like that instead of them running that kind of split 1a 1b power play that they were doing for a while um, so yeah you know this is a guy who just was unreal last year. He got 41 goals in, you know, 52 games last year. So who knows what he's going to be doing this year. We have mentioned many times, and I don't think it should go unsaid is he was playing in that North division that goals were a little bit easier. Um, But I don't think there's anything to be said. This guy can pick corners. He's got a wicked shot. Um, He's playing with some good players as well that are going to set him up for that. And he likes to shoot the puck. So I know I've mentioned it many times. Uh, one of our friends, Braden Papp, and I, whenever we chat about like fantasy players, I always lean to a guy who shoots the puck more when I'm like debating between two. And he's a guy that's just super exciting because he just shoots the puck like crazy. Uh, and that's you know maybe a little uh, foreshadowing as to why he's slightly below the guy that I I have him uh, have next as well. I also had Matthews fourth overall. The real question though, Mason. Where do you have him? I have Matthews at third overall. Okay. I thought there might've been a possibility. He might've been uh, your second overall, especially how much you're talking about the, his uh, a couple points per game there, but I like him. I think third's pretty good spot for him. Obviously if he's not fourth, I know when I'm in a redraft league, the fourth is definitely the, in regards to the top tier, I want to, I would much rather be fourth than fifth. I think there's a big drop off there at that point in regards to the, well obviously Kucherov is still great and things like that but I just think yeah obviously with Matthews like you said Mason has such a high floor because of his shots and things like that and uh, we did talk a lot about Toronto so I won't get too much into that Uh, the only thing maybe you could be slightly concerned about would be who is going to be that other guy on Matthews line but I would counter that to say it doesn't matter like he was playing with like Joe Thornton and stuff last year (laughs) he put up like his best point pace (laughs) of his career and things like that 
So regardless of who they trot out there, doesn't matter. He's still going to get his no matter what. Uh, all right. And so PJ and myself have Austin Matthews as the fourth overall center of next year. Mason a little bit higher than him. Uh, not by much though, just the third overall center next year. Up next, we have, oh, I'll start here off for the uh, third overall center. I have Nathan McKinnon. PJ, I'm guessing that uh, you also had him third overall there? Yeah, for sure. He's, he's my uh, third overall on that pick as well. Mason, I'm guessing that you had him second overall. No, that's actually McDavid's. What? About that. Uh, <laughs> McKinnon is second. Uh, and I want to believe yeah, you. Um, I don't know what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, I mean, if a guy is harder hard in his top 10, he can do anything. <laughs> He's um, a wild card. No, I, I would have put uh, McKinnon and Matthews, maybe Matthews, I don't know. McKinnon for sure ahead of McDavid coming into this year. But what McDavid did this year, you just you can't bet against that he was so far ahead of anybody else that um yeah there's no no point he's the consensus first overall this year i'm pretty sure um but yeah I, mckinnon has paced for over 350 shots each of the last three years he's also had scored a ton of points um over 100 point pace the last couple of years and um, his goal totals took a dip this year, which is kind of strange. Um, his shooting percentage was a little bit of a part of that. Um, but I think having Makar healthy this entire year, hopefully McKinnon stays healthy as well. Um, coming out of that lowest scoring division in the league, um, yeah, I think his upside is pretty insane. I struggled a lot with him and Matthews um, ranking the two of them. I think they're definitely in the same tier and have this a similar floor um, with the shots and the goals and then a similar upside where they could each go off for 110 points, score 50, uh, 50 goals. And yeah, they're both in great offenses and everything, but uh, I just have a little bit more faith Ian McKinnon, um, given his low shooting percentage this year, given some of the um, issues with injuries on the team, I think he is more likely to take another step forward this year. Yeah, people forget it was just as recent as last year that some people actually were taking McKinnon over McDavid for that top overall spot this year. I think there's a little bit more of a clear divide, but definitely can't go wrong here uh, with McKinnon. Yeah, just a, such an elite floor. And it would like, you can pretty much like count them for like almost not, maybe not a 95 point floor, maybe more like a 90 point floor, but still being that high for a floor is just absolutely insane. And then there's really no ceiling for him. Uh, you can just go off. You already mentioned the shots. Yeah. What more can you say? Uh, Peach, how do you feel about McKinnon? Shots, 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 <laughs> shots, shots. He's just, like I said before, Matthews, I believe had more shots than him last year, but consistently McKinnon has just been like leading the league or in one of the top spots in shots. And I just love that. It's just uh, something I look for even when I'm drafting later, like I mentioned before, if I'm kind of between two people, I like that potential of, you know, the more shots you take, the more chance something might go in um, and you might get a, you know, a few more goals than that guy that you're comparing them to. So He's a guy who's playing on a really good team, a team that I think is their window of being legit contenders for, for a couple of years. They've, they've got, you know, some young, really good guys. They've also got some guys that have been around for a bit with McKinnon and like guys like Landis Gog and everything who, you know, they're, they're kind of hitting, you know, primes right now. And 
Um, they just got a really strong team and it's a, an exciting team to watch. I played on the Ancaster Avalanche as a kid. So, you know, I've got, you know, as much as I'm a diehard Oilers fan, I, I have always had a little, uh, little soft spot for, uh, for the Avalanche uh, being in, in uh, you know, wearing that Jersey as a kid, but uh, yeah, that he's just, he's a guy that, like you guys said, up until probably this year, there was questions between whether it was him or McDavid as the first overall pick. Um, and I think a big portion of that is just his shooting. He just shoots so much. But like Mason said, uh, I think we've, you know, process of elimination at this point, we all know who we have first, but that guy just went out of his mind last year and and there's no reason to to bet against that yeah i have no concerns with mckinnon the one thing i will say um, about having him on your team is if you draft him is um, he's gonna force you to eat salad all year um and you know maybe maybe it will help maybe you should eat salad all year and uh if you want to take things seriously like he says um how else are you going to win the championship but um yeah just keep that in mind when you're drafting if you want some junk food go awesome Matthews. I did uh, did see a meme warning uh, Kale McCarr of watching out for McKinnon's kale diet. So uh, got to watch out for that one. <laughs> yeah. And the only way I could see someone uh, drafting McKinnon as the top pick would be in a salary cap league, um, maybe because he's got that great contract. Um, but I think in, in most normal leagues now. And so we'll, let's get into the top overall guy here. Yeah, now kind of looking back at that argument of McKinnon-McDavid, now it's, it seems silly in retrospect uh, when you think about it. Anyone who uh, was making that leap was definitely uh, overthinking things a little bit. Obviously, everyone has McDavid as their top center overall, top player overall, and someone in a redraft league uh, if you get that randomized list and you see number overall, number one overall, you are jumping for joy. Um, you got a surefire good team just by the randomness of the draft order, no matter what. And then uh, the rest of the draft just determines if you're a playoff team kind of thing, or if you're someone who can eventually take it home to the championship. But uh, yeah, uh, let's, let's head it over to our uh, Oiler guy, PJ. How do you feel about uh, McDavid? Yeah, obviously, I've, I've got a, a jersey or two of his and, and a big fan of his. And, uh, you know, it was a, a big win when we won that draft lottery that year. And he's done nothing but prove that he is probably the, the next up and coming. I know, Dave, you said Crosby's the best player in the world. But I, I, uh, I think that uh, change in the guard is, is starting to come in uh in now uh you know i i know you've talked about the the playoff success and i am super excited to uh to see both him and uh you know crosby and mcdavid play together on team canada uh in the olympics this year that's a real exciting thing i think it's probably exciting for both of them too like there's no way that those guys don't you know uh, follow tabs on each other and um you know 97 87 they're they're you know, 10 years apart exactly. And it's pretty exciting to see, but uh, yeah, I think the one was, I was listening to Dave, your podcast that you were on the, the mocking heads episode with, uh, you know, Elon, Brian and Ben. And like uh, Elon said, he, you know, went straight for Edmonton first to, to his first overall pick. And, and I think it's, you know, testament, first of all, yeah, there is a drop off between the, you know, top fantasy player on Edmonton and the fourth for sure. But also if you just have a, a, you know, McDavid on your team, 
I'm very fortunate to have got him in that in one of my dynasty leagues as just like a randomized draft order and got first overall like four years ago and just keep running with McDavid and he consistently helps me stay near the top of that league Uh, and I think he does that for anyone who has him like you've said if you're playing a guy uh, in a week and you see McDavid it doesn't even have to be four games that week it could only be three and you're like oh god I'm already starting behind so um, he's a guy that's just always gonna you know put up crazy amounts of you know fantasy points per game every game he plays how about you Mason any any thoughts on uh, McDavid here I don't think I need to contribute too much to that. I mean, he put up 153 point pace this year. Um, is that sustainable? I don't know. Um, but a few years ago, I remember watching his first 10 games or something. Um, it was, I guess, the second or third year in the league. And um, I told my dad, like, this guy could put up 164 points, like be a two point per game player. Um, and I had, yeah, obviously never seen anyone do that before. So um, yeah, that was my impression of him. And um, he came very close to that this year. I think he could hit it during his career. Um, so yeah, there's no reason not to take him first overall. Um, one thing I will add is, cause I know some leagues do like, uh, some kind of competition or other things that allow people to pick um, their draft position, I would absolutely be taking um, first overall because, uh, yeah, like when you look at both both projections and the end of the year results, like if you look at the first and 28th player uh, compared to like the 14th and 15th best player, um, that first and 28th player always um, is significantly ahead Um, both in the end season results and in the uh, projections, pretty much any source you look at at the start of the year. And so, of course, that depends on those initial projections being the same players as uh, the ones at the end of the year, which can be pretty hard to predict. But um, because uh, McDavid is so clearly consensus number one this year, um, I I would definitely be taking first overall lock in McDavid probably doesn't matter too much who you get at 28th. I think you're going to be better than um, whoever was picking it anywhere else in the order. The one other thing that's been interesting too, with McDavid, like I think we already, you know, 99% of, you know, the fantasy world out there would probably be taking them first overall this year in a draft. Uh, that's anything like the couple format. But the other nice thing is he's actually started hitting slightly more I'm not saying he's an Ovechkin or anything like that hitting but you know he he's been starting to hit more he's shooting the puck a bit more too Um, so he's even getting those peripherals up even more and it's not like he's a guy that you have to worry about that floor but he's just bumping his floor up as he's bumping his ceiling up every year as well Um, so he is a guy that's playing a little bit you know more angry it's it's a guy like like Dave alluded to he has hasn't gone far in the playoffs and he wants to, he wants to play. And, and we started seeing that last year, uh, so, you know, even when they were playing against Winnipeg and, you know, Pooley Arvey made one mistake in one of the games and you saw like McDavid go off on him on the bench. And it was like, as a fan, actually, as much as I actually love, love pool party, uh, it was nice to see that passion for McDavid because he's a guy that you don't usually see too much emotion from his interviews. He's always just like, you know, stonewall, um, but it's nice to see that he has that drive and that desire and he's starting to play the body more and he's shooting the puck more and he's getting a little bit more selfish when he needs to. Uh, but yet he's still one of the most elite passers in the league as well. So, um, 
know, I think we're, you know, beating a dead horse here a bit, but, you know, it's just interesting to see a guy who's already so high above is still like improving other parts of his game that do benefit you in, in fantasy pools as well. Yep. And uh, the only other uh, thing that I'll mention about McDavid would be for obviously in redrafts, it's given first overall, but in auction drafts, how much you're going to spend on him. Um, not to blow up anyone's uh, spot here in tier one of the cupful. I, I may or may not be, even though I'm not in tier one, I may be drafting for someone <laughs> in tier one. So I don't want to talk too much about auction strategy, but I will just say that in general, you should be prepared to spend about a third of your budget just on <laughs> McDavid. So uh, Mason says here, uh, hundred dollars. I could, I could see it. Honestly, typically I think, he goes for at least $80. Uh, I think he went for maybe around 85 last year, which ended up being great value. I know a lot of those spreadsheet guys all crunched a number and uh, you're a couple points per dollar. Like it still ended up being a great pick, even though he's spending so much on him. So uh, definitely someone who you're going to have to shell out the big bucks for in tier one of the cupful, but it remains to be seen. Maybe if he does hit that uh, hundred dollar mark in a normal $260 budget. So uh, that's all of our top 10. All right. So let's move into honorable mentions. Uh, PJ, let's hear uh, who you had for honorable mention. Yeah, I've got a couple honorable mentions and maybe not my like closest to take that 10 spot. The one that I'm kind of interested to see, and I'm curious to see what your guys takes on it are is Kopitar. I'm kind of excited to see what Kopitar will do this year. Um, you know, with bringing in a centerman where he doesn't have to play that whole two-way game, I'm interested to see if LA is going to play him a bit more in offensive roles. And, you know, the, they've now got a 2C who's going to be able to take some more of that kind of defensive zones time. Uh, it'll be interesting to see who he plays with wingers. You know, LA, it's they have a lot of interesting prospects coming up, but it's just really who's going to lock it down, who's going to play on that. They've got Arvidsson coming in on the wing. He might play top line. He might play second line. Um, you know, who is going to be on the left? Is it going to be I follow? Is it going to be somebody else? Like, there's a lot of questions there. Um, but he's a guy that even last year still played quite well in Kakupful. Uh, he's a guy I got late in drafts in a couple leagues, not even just the Kakupful. And he was a guy that did very well for me. Um, and I was quite surprised by it. So he's one guy for sure. Uh, again, he's not my like next closest to the top 10, but he's a guy I'm probably the most excited to see how his stock jumps this year and how hard, how, how far he would fall. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll let one of you guys throw another one. And then I've got a few more to mention if they don't get uh, brought up as well. Yeah. I'll just comment on Kopitar before we move on. But uh, I, I'm glad you mentioned that he wasn't like right outside your top 10. I'm going to trash that pick a little bit, but um, I do think he's a really good player and has some good upside this year. Just pulling up the couple mock draft results here. He's been going around 80th, which I think would be great value to be able to get him there. Um, and actually that number is inflated by me drafting him, I think three times ahead of 80th. So, um, yeah, I'd be really happy to take him there. His, uh, he's been consistent putting up 70, 75 points, um, shooting quite a bit. And I think, yeah, adding a solid winger on his line would definitely help him. Yeah. I think Kopitar's awesome. Like you mentioned, he did wonders for a lot of people 
last year. And I think it was just the fact that people slept on them just because they were sleeping on the Kings in general, probably I would imagine. But yeah, I think for the last few years, people have gotten great value on them. Maybe now this is the year where maybe you're not able to get quite as much value because you got you got people specifically looking to uh, snipe them a little bit earlier to make sure that they do get that value at this point. And yeah, it does remain to be seen like how those new lines shake out in LA. But I do think that if you don't get uh, like one of these top center picks that we talked about, he's definitely someone that you can get maybe in like a uh, fourth or the fifth round, maybe the fourth would be a little bit early for Kopitar, I think fifth. And so, so what 80th overall, that's like, that is like what, like fifth round or sixth round Mason. Yeah. That would be like end of the sixth round. I think is where I got it. Okay. Yeah. End of the sixth round. Yeah. I think if, I think if you specifically want to target him, yeah, I think you'd probably want to shoot for end of the fifth top of the six yeah i think it, i think if you do get them like at the end of the sixth round there i think that's probably pretty good value but uh yeah and so i'll go ahead real quick and mention one of my honorable mentions i had Braden point as an honorable mention uh someone who was in my top 10 for a little bit a couple of drafts but eventually ended up being right outside there just because he did have a little bit of a down year this past year uh, only 48 points in 56 games but obviously uh, he was playing without Kucherov and also without Stamkos at some points but he was still a fantastic player and I think he's a pretty good sure thing for a point per game floor or maybe maybe not floor maybe like 75 i think maybe 75 point floors pretty good pace uh for braden point and yeah lethal on that incredible power play that we talked about and someone that if you can get him at like the end of the second round i think that's tremendous value i think typically he's going uh, uh mason i'd be interested to hear on where he's going in the mock drafts but I, i'd imagine he's probably going probably all around the second round i could see him going anywhere but i think if you're able to get him in that uh that second half of the second round you're getting great value from him yeah he's been going around 30th um i i don't think that that's a very good value for him compared to like shifley and aho who are going right ahead of him um Stamkos, those kind of guys just because like the last couple of years i feel like he's been overdrafted and that's probably due to the lightning's success but um, he always seems to get picked <laughs> kind of too high for what his stats should indicate. And um, yeah, I think that's just team Stanley Cup success, those kind of things. Um, because like last year, he finished around 50th overall. Um, so I think you're just banking on Kucherov coming in, like elevating him way up. Um, but I just don't know if we see him put up the, you know, over 40 goals that he had that one year where his shooting percentage was like 25%. Um, so I, yeah, I agree. He's a really good player. Um, he's definitely an honorable mention for the top 10, um, and could have some kind of <laughs> shattering season with, um, with Kucherov, but I think at that price, I think it's a little bit overvalued. Um, another guy I would throw in, in the point conversation is Pedersen, um, just cause they're both really similar in terms of point upside, uh, in terms of floor, floor, in terms of having a down season last year, um, but also not providing you too much outside of those points. So, um, yeah, those guys are in the same conversation to me. 
Um, I'd have a point ahead of Pedersen, but I think they're both in that uh, in that range, uh, just outside of the top ten. Yeah, I had I had both of them as honorable mentions as well, and um, agree with a lot of what you're saying. I think I maybe optimistically would put Pedersen even just slightly ahead of Point uh, Mason, but. Uh, I'm with you. They're both kind of very similar realm. I just think when Pedersen's been on, he's kind of really been, you know, on that kind of uh, points per game pace of like in the top 10 of centermen in the league. The issue is, you know, he had some injury concerns. Vancouver in general had, you know, just a weird year with being hit really hard with with COVID and and having a lot of a weird schedule and everything. So it, it kind of skewed that team in general. Uh, point the one plus for him for sure is the team he plays on like like you guys were mentioning like they've had success they're going to be drafted because they've had success and because of who he's playing with but I'm with you I don't I don't know that Kucherov coming back just blows him into like a guaranteed point per game guy I have him pegged for you know my estimate was like 75 points this year coming up that's what I've put him at uh, so just slightly below a point per game in my projections um, but with definitely would not be surprised if he, you know, did put up a point per game. It part of it depends on how those lines shake out and, and who plays with who. If Stamkos gets slid over there, we might see him get his uh, triple eligibility back for, for a couple games or whatever, which would be nice for, for Stammer. But, uh, but yeah, points great. Pedersen, uh, he's just he's still coming into his own. He's got just tons of potential. He's a really exciting player to watch. But like you said, Mason, it's. It, he doesn't have that much offering fan value wise ahead of like outside of his points. He's, he's not like putting up crazy hits or blocking. And, and to be perfectly honest, a player like that, you don't really want him to, cause that's just going to get him injured and get him out of the game. You want him playing and, and putting up those points. So yeah, both were honorable mentions for me. Mason. Yeah. Let's hear another one of your uh, honorable mentions. Yeah. Um, I feel like I'd be remiss not to bring up, uh Patrice Bergeron here the guy's been inside the uh, top 10 every year <laughs> for the last few years um I think he was ninth and eighth uh, the last two years and um yeah I I'm always kind of betting against him um I think age will start <laughs> taking its toll injuries will start taking their toll just just to pull him down a little bit um again crew being gone I think weakens that top power play a little bit and that it's just enough to eat away um, at his value and bring him outside of my top 10 but um, I'd be pretty happy to have him on my team and I think you can probably draft him below what his final finish will be but um, yeah I think the other guys we've talked about are just a bit safer. I also had uh, Bergeron in an honorable mention. He's a guy that uh, I find, like you said, notoriously gets um, underrated. He he falls in drafts each year. He plays on that, you know, killer line that he's on, and he's pretty much guaranteed to be putting up points. And, and he, he helps lead that line too. As good as Marshawn and Pasta are, like Bergeron's just been such a solid player for his whole career. He's a guy that's just reliable. They're going to throw him out there a ton too. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see with Krejci gone now, it, it could potentially hurt his fantasy value a little bit in points of, are they going to be throwing him in more defensive zone situations as well, just because he is their like top centerman, you know, because who else are they going to have it? Charlie Coyle playing like center or something like that. I, I'm just not too sure. So 
there are potential that could go either way. So that's, he's got some question marks for me. You know, he could have just another dynamite season, but they could also need him to kind of pull a bit more on his like, you know, Selkie nominee performances that he's been in the past and play that defensive side a bit more too. Um, I'm not worried. I'd be still drafting him, especially where he usually falls in drafts. So I'd be pretty happy with him there. Um, Cause like Mason said, he, he seems to always outperform his draft position in like leagues that I'm in. So um, he's a guy that I, I always target, wait for him a little bit later and, and see if he's still kicking around. And like we said, you know, it, it, there's lots of centermen in the league and he's definitely one that would fall a bit more and give you probably more uh, upside for where he's going to be drafted. Yeah. Mason real quick. I hate to keep uh, making you do this, but where's, where's uh, Bergeron going in the mocks? Yeah. He's going 42nd. So actually just after Pedersen and points. Um, and yeah, definitely right, right around Tavares actually. Um, but yeah, lower than, a lot of these guys, you could get him uh, probably like the end of the third round, which I think is pretty good because, uh, yeah, he'll probably finish at the top of the third uh, in terms of value. Yeah, to me, yeah, end of 42nd, I guess, yeah, end of the third round. That's a little rich for my blood there. I would definitely um, much rather have, yeah, some of those other guys that you mentioned going around that same area. I, I think there's a, a different, like a, a difference in tier for sure between those guys. And so like, if he, I was thinking if he's still there in like late fourth or early fifth, I think that's great value, but not, not uh, bottom of the third or even top of the fourth for me. And much rather, especially for someone who's a set. Well, the only exception would be if it's a league where uh, face-offs uh, count, <laughs> I could see him just being justified taking him that early, but otherwise um, I would, let someone else take him that high pj let's hear another one yeah I, oh go ahead sorry yeah I'll, I'll tell you one in one second but yeah i would agree that seems higher than what i normally see him so that's that's interesting to hear that he's going that high um you know maybe he's he's not the the sleeper secret anymore maybe people are have caught on at this point and and realize who he's playing with so uh yeah i probably would not be taking him that early that seems a little too rich for my blood as well um, but yeah, another honorable mention that I have, which is, you know, going to be an interesting one because we just don't know, but Jack Eichel, who is somebody who in a good season would have for sure been in my top 10, but there's just so many questions around him right now. Uh, I'm really curious to see where he's going to go in drafts, if we're going to get any more news from him um, before we come up to that point. Uh, it's just a lot of question marks. It's pretty unfortunate. I'm, I'm hoping that he's not going to be out the whole season, but at this point, I don't imagine he's going to be starting the season with Buffalo and who knows if he ends up starting with Buffalo at any point or if he gets traded. Um, but when he does come in, he's a guy who even playing on Buffalo puts up, you know, valuable numbers for sure. He's, he's an elite centerman. Uh, I think fantasy wise, if he did get moved, that'd be huge for him to, to be perfectly honest, depending where he goes. Um, but, uh, you know, I feel for the, the Buffalo fans for sure. Cause this is just, uh, just unfortunate. It's a top, top level player on your team that there's just so many questions around. So I feel for him. Yep. I had him as an honorable mention too. Um, he's someone that could be a, top 10 player overall not just a top 10 center if he was healthy for a season and had a couple of good players to play with but obviously that's not the case um i'm 
very concerned about him this year. I would not be touching him probably in the first four rounds, despite that upside, because um, like Dave said, it's a lot easier to lose your league <laughs> um, up, up in the top couple of rounds than it is to uh, win it by, you know, hitting on someone like this that could end up being top 20. Um, in, in the mock drafts, he's been going around pick 45. Uh, I still don't really like it. Um, I actually, in the last mock draft, took him at 61, which is the latest he's been taken in any draft. But that's really the range that I'd think like, okay, I can start considering this guy in the fifth or sixth round um, because he does have that upside. And, you know, if he falls off and doesn't work out, if he doesn't play or he only plays half the season or he gets traded, like, I think you're still um, getting some value there because because of the potential. And um, if he doesn't play at least at the start, you can still throw him on IR um, and get some other guys in there. But I think the upside is too much to ignore at that point. Um, but otherwise, I think he's going to go earlier and I just won't be drafting him. Yeah, the biggest uh, risk-reward player in the whole entire draft, regardless of position, I would say. And so really i don't have him as an honorable mention necessarily just because i think he's gonna be someone who i'm avoiding entirely uh, the only way that i would probably draft jack eichel would probably be maybe in the late sixth or seventh round or early seventh round and if i'm like super confident like in all my picks before that like if i just got like if every single round i was getting bangers like superstars that were like falling and I was just sniping every other round and it's like you know what I'm gonna take a chance here but uh probably I would take him much lower than where he's gonna go I I think kind of like where he's going in mock drafts Mason that's typically where you'll see someone uh who's a little bit more willing to live on the edge and uh take that shot but I yeah, he's someone who could be out the entire year. So it's just not worth it uh, at that point, as you mentioned. Okay, uh, let's see here. Mason, do you have another honorable mention? All right, Mason's clean out. I'll go to one of mine. He's someone who I thought about putting at 10th as a hot take, but the more I thought about it, the more I would take those guys ahead of him just because of where I think I'd be able to get this guy a little bit later in the draft. And that's Sean Couturier, a, someone who I loved whenever he, finally came back from injury last year although he was out a little bit longer than I would have liked that kind of sunk my team in the cacuffle a little bit but I think he's someone who's going to be he was great last year and then I think he's going to be great this year with I think I kind of we kind of talked about it a little bit I think that concentrated top line in Philly hopefully they get away from their 1a 1b power play hopefully all those things contribute to him kind of breaking out a little bit here what do you guys think about Sean Couture yeah he was uh one of my honorable mentions as well and, and a guy I have looked at for sure but I'm 100% agreement Dave he was just slightly out of that tier for me of of who I was looking at for that 10th spot uh, I felt pretty confident with Tavares being a, a you know step above when I was putting him in my um, 10th overall but Katuri is a an interesting player um, you know it's it's uh, it's fun to hear the Pens fan you know talking about the Flyers for sure uh, and he is you know as much as we uh, we may disagree I think Philly has some potential with that line and I and I 
I do think that he could put up good numbers. And so he is a guy that probably will maybe fall a bit more, but you know, he's, he's definitely somebody that has some value at uh, a little bit later picks than some of these top guys for sure. Yeah. He's got a very safe floor and say 70 to 75 points is probably where he's going to finish pretty predictably and he'll put up over 200 shots um, and get some decent peripherals just because he's on the ice so much as the number one center for the Flyers. So I do like him. Um, Yeah, I'd be happy to get him in a draft. Uh, I think he sometimes falls a little little bit just because of, I think, his name. Like He's not considered in the same conversations as some of these guys, um, even though he was pretty close to a lot of them last year. Sounds good, and that's all mine. PJ, do you have any other honorable mentions? Yeah, I've got one more, and uh, I know some people uh, are off this train at this point for sure, but uh, I still think he just keeps – being steady, even though what's happened, but uh, Ryan O'Reilly is one that I still find consistently kind of like under the radar. I have him on a few teams and I always, uh, even with owning him in like dynasty leagues and stuff like that, he's a guy I kind of forget about when I'm drafting a little bit until I start looking up his numbers. And I'm like, he's another guy who seems to be fairly consistent now since, you know, since he left Buffalo, he's just been putting up good seasons. Um, you know, he's a, he's a guy that I just think has a fairly safe floor, uh, maybe not as high of a floor as some of the other guys. And he probably doesn't have the same ceiling as a lot of the guys we've talked about, but like he just puts consistent numbers up and he still has value for, for where he probably ends up going. Um, you know, I'm not going to reach for him by any means. Like I would for maybe some of the other guys we talked about in our top 10, if I really want to, but Let's be honest, in the top 10, I'm not really reaching for anyone because there's still going to be some pretty valuable guys, even if it's a, a different position. And if we're talking about our top 10 centers, that's probably the first few rounds. And I don't think you really need to be reaching for anyone. You're going to be able to fill out those positions at some point. So, um, yeah, he's just a guy I, I like. Uh, I like him just as a, a player as well. He's just a, a guy I've always had fun watching through his years and um, you know, it was just nice to see him kind of find his love for the game again after that one kind of press conference a number of years ago saying where he kind of just fell out of out of his passion and he seems to have got it back. And he's a guy who he might be top line. He might be second line. Don't really know. Kind of bounces around a little bit uh, over there, depending on how they deploy those lines. You know, I'd still consider him top line, but his minutes maybe don't always say that for game. But uh yeah, just a solid dude. Yeah, um, I do like Couturier above uh, O'Reilly, and that's just for peripherals. Um, O'Reilly just kind of worries me with <laughs> how few shots he takes and how few goals he scores. Um, he did bounce back this year from the year before, but um, yeah, I just I really don't see the ceiling um, compared to guys who put up almost twice as many shots as him um, that are being drafted in the same rounds, uh, even if he ends up with a few more points. Yeah, I'm glad we continued our uh, trend of having Blues players in our honorable mentions here. <laughs> Some, <laughs> someone yeah. someone had to do it. Uh, yeah, I like ROR, but yeah, kind of like what Mason mentioned, he's always going to go a little bit ahead of where I'd like to take him. So typically someone who's not going to end up on my team unless 
uh, the entire league is kind of sleeping on him a little bit. So there's our honorable mentions. Let Before we get into recapping our list, I'll just go around the horn real one time. Any closing thoughts on uh, anything you want to expand or anything else you want to mention about centers or anything like that? How about you, Peach? Yeah, I guess just uh, to finish up on centers, it is one that I think we can all agree is pretty top heavy in, in this league. Like there's a lot of, uh, you know, high draft picks in like real NHL as well. We've got, you know, a couple first rounders uh, for sure. If, if not all of them that we mentioned um, a lot of first overalls as well. Uh, so, you know, that shows you something, some of those top end players, they, they were top end players, their whole careers, like even in junior and they get drafted and they play that center role. Cause it's somebody that is relied on. So I think you're, pretty safe to say like we mentioned there's there's a bit of a tier drop off after probably the you know there would be the mcdavid tier in my mind then those you know two through four tier and then a bit of a drop off but i'd be pretty happy with anyone that we've mentioned in this whole you know episode today to be on my team those are all guys that are pretty guaranteed to um you know be pretty solid point guys for fantasy points, not even just, you know, real world points um, at any point. So it's a position that I find is, uh, although we talked a bit of bit, you were saying you think um, uh, left wing might be deeper. I find center is the deeper position with people out there. There's just more guys who have even dual eligibility or they have that center eligibility. They play wing, they play center. Even when you're looking into the younger guys, I think I agree that, um, you know, the left wing's probably a little bit deeper t- talent wise. That's, uh, you know, more valuable. Um, but center is one that I, I would personally put above right wing, even though you were mentioning it before Dave, as uh, something that you could fill out one or two spots early on and uh, maybe even three and still be able to find some value a little bit later. But like Mason said, in a format like the couple where you have the two skater spots, I'm not even afraid to take two centermen in, in the first two rounds. If I see those like hugely valuable players, if, if I'm getting a, you know, a, a Matthews, you know, in the first round and then on the turn, one of those like eight or nine kind of guys, an Ajo is still sitting there or as a Banajet or something like, I'm not afraid to take, take, you know, two guys pretty early on. I, I'm in one of the mocks right now and it's, kind of coming up just onto my second round pick. And I had uh, third overall and took dry saddle. Uh, and there's still like Sebastian Ajo, Zibanejad, Mark Shifley, uh, Braden Point, um, Stamkos still sitting there. And, you know, we're at, uh, I don't even know what pick, but uh, pick seven of round two. So there's still a lot of center talent on the board for even uh, coming into the second round. So I'd be pretty happy with getting one of those those guys again. Jason, any kind of closing thoughts or anything? Yeah, just to uh, go along with what PJ says, um, I completely agree. If you uh, if you're new to kick up pull, I think a lot of fantasy players think like, oh, I can't take too many centers. It's super deep. Like I'm just going to draft wingers because that's more important. I I really don't think it is. It's always nice to have someone with dual eligibility, but. Um, yeah, in, in a couple, I'd be very happy just taking a bunch of centers early. You can make up the other positions later. Um, I'd be more worried about like not ending up with a right winger um, than I would be about taking too many centers. So that would be my thought process. Not like, oh man, I might have too many centers. I've got to go somewhere else. Like I would just want to make sure that I'm getting, you know, enough like one right winger in the first uh, number of rounds and a defenseman to make sure that I'm not completely punting those positions. Um, but other than that, I'm happy to stack up on center. And um, final thought is draft Vincent Trocek. 
<laughs> uh, yeah, and, and my final thoughts here would be definitely my strategy, my ideal strategy uh, for this year would be if I, in the first two rounds, I could get uh, either combination of center right wing or right wing center, uh, just so I know I kind of have a top guy in both of those positions. And then I don't have to reach later on because I know kind of what we were talking about for some of the guys when we talked about where they're falling in mocks and things like that, like someone for Bergeron, for example, I thought uh, a couple of us said was a little bit rich for our blood for where he was going. But I would imagine that would maybe be a result of someone who missed out on center up until that point and they want to make sure that they get one. So maybe they end up reaching a little bit in order to, get that top center for their team and so that's the thing yeah you, if, if it's close so if it's close between a couple guys I would maybe le either lean center or lean right wing for that reason because you never want to end up reaching later on in your draft or you never want to reach at any point really but uh yeah that's all I have on uh, centers here uh let's go to our recap of our list uh, PJ, recap your uh, top 10 for us. Yeah, so uh, top 10, uh, starting with number 10 this time. Not going to screw it up and do the the old weeb special again. Uh, but, uh, you know, starting 10th overall, John Tavares. 9th uh, overall, Mark Shifley. 8th, Sebastian Ajo. 7th, Mika Zibanejad. 6th, uh, Sidney Crosby. 5th, Alex Barkov. 4th, Austin Matthews. Three, Nathan McKinnon, two, Leon Dreisaitl, and first overall, my boy, Connor McDavid. To your top 10 there, Mason. So for my top 10, um, at 10th, I have John Tavares. At 9th, I have Aho. At 8th, I have Shifley. Um, I'd have a tier break there. Um, and then at uh, 7, I have Zibanejad. 6, I have Crosby. 5th, I have Barkoff. Um, another tier here. Um, and for fourth, I have Dreisaitl, third, Matthews, second, McKinnon, and first, McDavid. All right. And for my top 10, uh, number 10, I had Zabinajad. Number nine, I had Sagan. Eight, Stamkos. Seven, Aho. Six, Crosby. Fifth, Barkov. Fourth, Matthews. Third, McKinnon. Second, Dreisaitl. And number one, the second best hockey player in the world, Connor McDavid. And for our consensus top 10 here, uh, pre pretty predictable, I think, for the most part. So for our consensus top 10, we've got McDavid number one. We actually have a tie for second overall with McKinnon and Dreisaitl, thanks to Mason. A uh, little bit of a hot take there, putting Dreisaitl fourth overall. Um, Matthews was a clear fourth overall. And then uh, we have Barkov fifth. Crosby sixth. We have a tie for seventh between Aho and Zabinajad. We have Shifley ninth, Stamkos tenth, and a tie for eleventh between Sagan and Tavares. So, thanks again, everyone, for listening. Uh, we'll be back soon. Make sure to vote on Twitter at NHL Stream Scheme to vote on who you think have the best center list for this next year. We'll be back soon to rank our. We still have our defenders and our left wingers left to go. And so don't forget what the great Connor McDavid once said, the future belongs to those who believe in their future. See ya.